Welcome to the Riot Podcast, where we have practical discussions on how to share your faith, see the news from God's eyes, and answer some of faith's hardest questions. Welcome to the Riot Podcast. This is Bob Shoneman alongside Pete Robertson. How you doing, Mac Daddy? I'm doing great as I just wrote, broke my bo- Robert Pujols. Uh, he brings a special guest onto the show and oh. breaks his arms off. If anybody is not watching on YouTube, I have a Albert Pujols bobblehead in my hand. He's when he's on the Angels. And as I picked him up, his hand just broke off. I'm so sad. That is pretty sad, but it's okay. They should just go to YouTube so they could see it. Yeah. Just go to YouTube, yeah. hit subscribe, yeah. Look, and uh, all of our stuff can be found see at riotpodcast.co.co, except for we don't have any bobblehead. Maybe that's what we need, Pete. Yeah. We need we need Mac Daddy oh, bobblehead dolls. Totally. We're doing that. <laughs> We're totally doing that. We're going to give them out to everybody. Here's a bobblehead oh, of ourselves. That's awesome. Yeah, we have bobbleheads in our in their studio. In the you pictures, can't see on the posters. Yeah, behind that's... you, Bob, see those guys back there? Yeah, right there. there. Right yeah, there. Those are if you're on, again, you better be on YouTube. So over well, my uh, well, left shoulder, that. If you listen on podcasts, we're okay. We want our numbers on yeah, podcasts no, to right. go, too. You're right. Our YouTube is doing well, but we want podcast but numbers. But unless you're on YouTube, you don't get to see... Um, Mac Daddy's hair, oh, so you, you know you can't really see that on the podcast. As I'm fixing my hair now, so I'm looking, <laughs> your hair is so short. We have it a move. hair and makeup person that comes in just for Mac Daddy. Whatever. Every no, that's not true. That that would not be a righteous invasion of truth. <laughs> so we're gonna do a little special show for you guys yeah. today. We've been hearing that people want to get to know us a little bit yeah. more, uh, find out what you know. What are these? What are these nutballs up to? Where have they been? Where have they come from? And uh, so we're going to try to share a little bit about that with you today. And uh, man, that poor guy lost his arms. I know. I know. It's it. Well, let's open in prayer. I'll open yep. us in prayer Thanks, and Pete. then we'll get going. Lord, you are great. You are amazing. Lord, you are perfect. You are holy. Lord, you are Alpha and Omega. Lord, you are Abba Father. Lord, you're the beginning and the end. Lord, you are majestic. You are um, everything that we need in our lives, God. And and it's to you that we surrender to you now. And Lord, we just want to speak about you. We want to talk about you, Lord. We want you to be elevated. We want you to be worshipped. We want you to be the famous one. And Lord, you have a story in each of our lives. Each of us can tell a story of how you've changed us. Each of us can tell a story of how you touched us and met us right where we're at. And so today, Bob and I just want to be able to do that the best we can and to be able to share a little bit about who we are and how you met us and how you're being glorified in and through our lives. And so, Lord, bless people as they listen and uh, forgive us for our stupidity as we might say some weird things. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. <laughs> forgive us in advance for the stupid things we say. <laughs> All right, Man, so it's, you start. It's going to be fun. Yeah. You want me to start? Yeah. So in a galaxy far, far away. Yeah. Well, no, what's wait. the name of it? We'll call it... Uh, <laughs> what are we going to call this show? Uh, Manuka. I don't know what that means. No, we'll call it. I don't know what that means. I just made it up. It's actually a game that I'm making, but I don't know. Really? But, yeah, a game. That's not what they care about. Yeah, it's no, they want to. They want to learn about us today. So, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, I mean, um, this is. It's kind of weird and awkward, but yeah. at the same time, I, I think it's good. I, I, I always appreciate when I kind of know where people are coming from and what their life experiences were, and sometimes it gives me a way to uh, maybe relate with them a little bit more and feel. I feel like I know them. So uh, that's kind of our goal today. Yeah. Um, so, man, I was, uh, <laughs> I joked that I was born in a bowling center. And uh, I wasn't really, but it kind of felt that way. My dad was one of those guys that uh, bowled five nights a week. 
And, and then sometimes we could bowl tournaments on weekends too. Just nuts. He bowled way too much, which maybe that was part of the problem with the divorce when I was 13. Anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm thinking it might have been. <laughs> might have been a problem. I'm thinking. Um, yeah, um, you talk about idol worship. Uh, I would say bowling was probably an, uh, an idol for my for my, my dad. So it's certainly at some parts of his life. But anyway, I remember growing up in, um, you know, in, we lived in New York. And I remember, you know, Pete, you know, we talk about, you know, kind of our biblical background and our, you know, where did we meet Jesus and stuff like that. So I was, I was brought up in a family that... Um, we talked about God, but it wasn't. Uh, I I did not live in a home that was was spiritual. I I don't re- ever remember, um, you know, my my m- mom or dad when I was a little kid opening up the Bible or sharing anything like that. I do remember going to, you know, church with grandma. You know, going to a Lutheran church. I can still picture it was an old stone building, gorgeous building. I, I remember going in and they would have uh, they would have the. the the hymns that we were going to sing mm. in numbers up on a wall mm. so you could like open up the hymnal and already know which pages you were going to be this, these are the things that stuck in my memory mm. as a little kid i remember going to sunday school and learning about and learning about jesus and learning you know all the typical bible study uh, stories that i think uh, we teach our kids even today you know stories about uh, jonah and um you know the Christmas story, of course. Um, Joseph and his coat of many colors. I remember, you know, stories like that growing up. But there was no, uh, you know, God just wasn't. It wasn't a part of our family uh, growing up. And uh, again, I think you know, a lot of that leads into uh, the issues of uh, my parents. And my parents got, you know, kind of kind of fast forward a little bit. But my parents got divorced when I was thirteen. Um, and that's really when I started kind of seeking. It was weird, Pete. I used to blame. I remember as a 13-year-old kid, I, I, I thought the divorce was my fault in some ways. And, uh, you know, mm. looking back, you're like, man, that was, you know, why would you think that? But as a 13-year-old kid, I, I don't yeah. know. I did. I believed that. And I remember reaching out to um, my gym teacher in middle school. And I think I was in, I was in seventh or eighth grade. And man, I wish I could remember his name. I can still see his face, but I can't remember his name to save my life. Um, but I just remember reaching out to him and just being, uh, it was funny because I, I went to him and just said, you know, I'm just really struggling. And he's like, what, 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 drugs, alcohol? <laughs> I'm like, no, 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 no. My, my parents are going through a divorce and it's just really hard and I feel like it's my fault. And I remember him talking and sharing a little bit about God with me. Um, so it kind of planted a seed. And uh, the weird part, uh, well, not weird, but I I remember when I asked uh, Jesus into my heart, uh, Pete, I remember I was 13 years old. I was sitting at the my mom's kitchen table. Uh, My mom and dad had already been uh, separated and uh, it was two days before Christmas. And I guess the, the weird part is. The man that led me to Christ is the guy that ended up marrying my mom after my parents divorced. So that's kind of the weird part. Um, But uh, I still remember that vividly. And through most of my high school, I remember just, you know, kind of just being on fire for Christ. I remember telling all my friends, I was the guy that was inviting the kids to church and telling them about Jesus. And in band, they made me the, um, the band chaplain. 
for my junior year in high school. And then the senior year, the school said, well, you can't have a chaplain anymore. So I remember the, the band director just created an extra position. We had co-captains. So that was kind of, that's my story a little bit. I was raised in, in a Christian home. So I had a Christian home, I had an influence. I was raised in Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa down in Pastor Chuck Smith down there. He's the, the Jesus movement and anybody knows uh, that story. Um, and so that was kind of that I was always into sports and, and I was just, you know, really good at baseball, really good at most sports, but that was my love. And my mom and dad, they also struggled. They almost got divorced. And I remember feeling what you said where, um, you know, how you felt like it was you. I remember that, that whole separation that they had by God's grace, they're back together. They've been married over 50 years now. Um, but I remember that and thinking that when I was in my early teens and, um, so, I mean, kind of similar and, and something you said was, uh, that you were the chaplain or the Jesus. That was kind of me. So my first, well, I had a few girlfriends, but my first girlfriend before my wife. So I met my wife when I was 12 years old. So before that, there was a girl named Connie and, uh, and as I was, as going with Connie in junior high or whatever that was, and I just really liked her and all that, but she was a Catholic or she wasn't, I shouldn't say that she wasn't just a Catholic. She just didn't know Jesus. Let's just put it that way. And so I would just constantly be sharing with her about Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And uh, it got to the point where she just didn't like me anymore. And she called me a Jesus freak. And, and <laughs> That's a compliment. Yeah. And uh, later on, when I met my wife, I was uh, Christine. I was going out with her and all that. Connie came to Christine and said, she's a Jesus freak, man. Stay away from him. He's a freak. You know, that kind of thing. And uh, thank God she didn't go anywhere. But uh, so that was kind of my thing. And then the same thing with like in high school. So that that was me. So I really was that guy that just, um, I mean, not I shouldn't say that. I didn't openly do that. But I, my heart was to serve the Lord. I really was. I was seeking him. I remember going to church and just praising him and doing that. It's, but I was also tempted by the things of the world. And, and you know, my focus was baseball and, and girls, basically, um, and wanting to do that. So we could relate a little bit in our, in our early years. Man, you were really good at baseball. I loved baseball, but I, I quit playing at 16 when I went and started bowling uh, with my dad in leagues and stuff and just kind of got away from the sports. But I still stayed in band. And... Um, so it was weird. So I, I talked about my parents, the, the split up. I ended up living with my dad and my, my two brothers lived with my mom. So it was, it was just weird. It really, I mean, it broke apart, uh, not only a marriage, but it broke apart siblings too. And I, you know, I still struggle with that today. I, I need to reach out to my brothers more than I do. And I still feel that you know, a little bit of separation, but you know, I, th Pete, you were talking about, you know, I was <laughs> the chaplain and uh i was the guy all the girls would come to to tell their story you know their complaint about their boyfriends and stuff like that so i i didn't even have a girlfriend until i was a senior in high school like the second half of my senior year in high school before i ever even had a, had a girlfriend um i dated a couple girls or took you know went and dated i went out on you know took them to pizza hut or something i asked you know, my I wife to marry me at 12 years old did you really yeah I mean, you're just a. She over, thought I was a freak. You are yeah, a this freak. This Jesus freak that's asking me out. To the, she actually said no, and she would not even go out with me for like a year or two years. Oh, smart girl. Yeah. I mean, what? Our first date was on April 22nd. I remember the day of the time and everything. That's amazing. Yeah. Anyway, go on. So, yeah. So, I mean, it was just one of those things. And then, uh, you know, I remember. So, I was telling you the story this morning. I remember going because uh, I was. I did everything with, with my youth group. You know, we had our Wednesday night deals and you know every summer we had camp and and then so i think it was my junior year i'm not a hundred percent sure on this but we went on a college tour and visited a bunch of christian college and i remember going to um 
I think it was uh, was a Southeastern or something in Lakeland, and we went to Tennessee Temple, which is up by Vanderbilt in uh, Nashville. There was some place else we went, and then we also went to Liberty. And I remember, I remember sitting in Liberty, and this is like 1984-ish. I'm guessing spring of 84 or summer 84, somewhere right around there. And uh, I remember sitting there, and this is what uh, we kind of mentioned this a little bit last week. But I remember sitting, and I don't remember the context. We're staying in dorm rooms, and I don't know if we were talking or something. And I remember just thinking to myself, man, God's lucky to have me on his team. How sick is that now? I have that story too. I think about that now. I'm like, that is so sick. And honestly, I think that was kind of, that was a pivot point where I started falling, falling away from God and, and not following him. Um, you know, I never, never, you know, said, Hey, I'm not a Christian or anything like that. But I, my relationship was kind of like frozen in time from that moment until, uh, probably until a couple months before my daughter was born. And I'll share that story here in a little bit, but I'll give you some time to talk. Yeah. So that, so I can relate to that too. So in, so out of high school, so I was a, a, I was a scholar athlete. I was just really good at what I did, and uh, I loved baseball. And I remember the scouts would recruit me, and, and um, you know I wanted to go to college. I wanted to you know kind of do it right, getting drafted out of high school, or getting you know looking at possibly doing that. But I you know based off of counsel and my call co- my coach and so forth, we stayed in in school to just try to you know get an education, but. I remember one time I was um, I was pitching and I got done pitching. I threw a it was it was I threw all nine innings. I won the game, won nothing or whatever. I struck out like 13, 14 or something. All the scouts were there. I mean, it was like a performance of a performance. We played a top school. My ball was the ball was just moving out of my hand, just beautiful. And I remember walking off of that, and I remember going home, and I was bragging about myself, and I was just like saying, "Oh my gosh, I'm so good. I'm so amazing." And then I remember my mom asked me a question. I says, mom, I'm so good. I'm like, God. Oh. And, I, and I remember saying that. Now, who in the right mind says something as stupid as that? I did. I don't know why, but it just shows you I'm not very smart. So I'm sorry. I'm just telling you the truth. Dumb kids. And, um, and so what ended up happening after that is that God just really humbled me. And I started seeing what was going on. And the reason why I actually walked away from baseball, because I'm pretty sure I, I would have had a career there. Um, in the professional sports or so forth, at least in the minor leagues or whoever, however, God, I was pretty good, is I started seeing all the girls that were around and they were flaunting themselves and there was a lot of that stuffing up. And I realized at that moment, and this is after I said that I'm so good like God, but I think God opened my eyes and saying, you're going to fail there. You're going to fail miserably. It's this, you're not going to succeed in this. If you continue down this path, you're going to fail. And in my heart, something in my heart was triggered and said, I don't want that. I don't want to go that path. And so I remember pitching one game. I got off the mound. I walked off and I didn't look back. I walked away from from, from baseball. I just completely uh, did it. I ended up getting married. We ended up having our first kid. And, and I'm so grateful now when I look back that I did that because I, I knew that I was going to fall and fall hard. Um, but But fast forward a little bit. A year and a half later, again, you can't run from God. A year and a half later, the uh, San Diego Padres called me up, and it was their semi-pro team. So it was a little bit be- below the actual minor leagues. It was a little bit of paid. We got things that were given to us and so on. But I ended up just getting broke, uh, something on my arm uh, where I couldn't even raise my arm above. And, and God, again, at that time, shared with me and says, Listen, I told you that I did not want you 
to do this. You were to walk away from that. I gave you that because I took that away from you. You you tried to be so good like God. Now I, you were trying to do it your way. Now I want you to do it my way. And so right after that, I changed my major to the, uh, the biblical studies, theology, and, um, and God called me then into ministry. But it went through that whole little thing where God was saying, I was doing it my way. I, I had my future. Everything was about me. And then God says, no, no matter how hard you try to do it your way, I have control over your life. And so that is the change that happened in my life. So, so word of the day is humility. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. You no, know, in James 4, 10, it says, humble yourself before the Lord and he will exalt you. Yep. And I can tell you the opposite is also true. If you do not humble yourself, he will humble you. Yep. And uh, I think both of us have a have a story that uh, verifies exactly that. Yeah. So, you know, Pete, for me, um, you know, my, my 20s, where it was all about, uh, you know, building up my kingdom. And, uh, you know, I... I, I you know, again, I wasn't anti-God. I would, you know, I didn't, <laughs> I wasn't bashing God in any way, but I was just, you know, I, I wanted to sit on the throne and, and just did that. And really, um, man, I think the turnaround was when Crystal and I, we, we became pregnant and that's a, that's a different story. I mean, that it took us years to, yeah. for that to happen. And that's a, that's a story all in itself. Um, and then, and of course, Sammy, my daughter's uh, story is just a, a just a miracle. In, in we could do a show maybe on that we one could, day. Yeah, yeah, we could absolutely do a show just on yeah. on what we went through with that, and then just I mean, she's just an amazing blessing to us. But it was it was a so she was she was due July 11th, and it was middle of April. I just it was right after my 44th birthday, and I remember sitting in my office. And just kind of, uh, kind of a sense of being overwhelmed, right? Like n- all of a sudden, just having this feeling of, oh my goodness, I'm about to be a father, and I have no idea what I'm doing, right? And so I started writing down these, like these bullet points, these notes uh, for Sammy. I just it was like a, you know, I even titled it, I think, uh, you know, letters or notes from your dad or something like that, but d- wrote it directly to Sammy. And it was it was little things like you know remember to pray and um, be moved to tears often. Um, make sure you call your mom on Sundays when you move out. Little things like you know little tidbits like some of them were even like lyrics I take took out of a song like um, oh, I put myself on the spot. So usually you do that to me, but this time I did it to myself. <laughs> but no, I think it's a George Strait song. I think it it, it says something about. Um, Life isn't measured by the number of breaths you take, but the number of moments that take your breath away. And so I, it's a, it's a lyric in a song. So I stole it, but I wrote wow, you know George I wrote that. George gives you the straight but path. I'm, George gives you the straight path. Amen, amen. So, but it was in that moment in my office. I had the door shut, and I'm just writing that down. And really, God was just reaching out to me and, and trying to bring me back. And and. Uh, and, and get me back into the fold. And of course, he never let go. He, like Pete said earlier, he was always pursuing me. And looking back in hindsight, I can see it in a million pl- different places where he protected me or kept me from doing something that could have been, you know, life altering or life destructing. Um, and then, so this is two months before. And then, you know, if you hear Sammy's story, lots of things happen. She's actually, uh, they induced in, on June 28th. Um, and the, the moment, and I'll just uh, I'll share this part of the story with you. Um, 
they're um, doing an emergency C-section to get Sammy. And at that moment, I'm sitting in the operating room um, holding my wife's hand and my baby's being delivered. And Crystal just looks, I mean, she she looks dead. She's mm. just white, as pale as can be. Um, like, I'm holding her hand and it's just cold. Mm. And they, they get my baby, they get Samantha out. And she's quiet, you know. Every movie, every TV show you've ever seen about, you know, a baby's birth, mm. they, you're waiting, you know, they're they're born and you hear them cry, right? Well, there was no crying, and and so there's a team working on my wife. She looks like she's dead. There's another team working on my baby girl, and they're yelling, you know, breathe, baby, breathe, baby, mm. you know, and stuff mm. like that. And I'm just sitting there, absolutely helpless and hopeless, sitting, mm. sitting in this chair. And I just, I just reached out. I just, I just came to a point where I knew I had zero control and that I had to turn this over. And I think for the first time in my life, I completely surrendered to Jesus. Wow. And it was the coolest thing, Pete. As I did that, I'm holding I'm holding Crystal's hand. I'm looking at them working on Sammy and I'm just I'm just praying and not out loud. I'm, I don't know. I may have been out loud. I honestly don't know. But I'm just, I remember just telling God or asking God, I'm like, please don't take my girls. Please don't take my girls. And I heard, and I know it's not audible. It was in my head or it was the Holy Spirit. But I heard, I got this. Ooh. And that was the moment, you know, I look back and that was the moment, the first time I ever truly 100% surrendered, said, look, I, I have no power here. It's all you, Lord. Ooh. And uh, honestly, a turning point in my life, Pete. And the last 10 years um, have just been an amazing ride. And uh, we'll share some things like that, too. And I, I, I brought some verses that I wanted to share. But uh, so that's kind of brings you up to kind of up to speed. And then there's some really cool things that have happened with people in my life over the last really six or seven years that uh, have really, I think, helped my journey and helped me grow closer to it's, Jesus. It's amazing that, you know, God, it says in the word, um, Paul said it that, or actually God said it, that he's looking for a broken and contrite spirit. He said it, mm-hmm. I think, in Psalms 51 to David. And, and it's amazing that God gets us, there's circumstances or things that happen in our life that bring us to this broken state. It brings us to this, I can't do anything. I'm completely helpless here. I have no idea what else to do, but God. Yeah. And it's only him that can intervene. It's only him that can actually work this together for my good, for his glory. And it's like, I have no other answers. I have no other hope, but God. And, um, and that is kind of my story as well. So after within college, as I was finishing up college, I, I went to my pastor and I said at the time, I says, Hey, I feel God's calling me into ministry. And he said, okay. And so my, my ministry is my, my education is always, I've been through Bible college and I've just been through so many different courses and so forth because I just felt this hunger to, to know God more. But I remember being a youth pastor and I came alongside of this other couple, uh, Dan and Wendy, and they uh, took me under their wings. And then lo and behold, something happened with them and they left. And I, lo and behold, I'm here. I am the high school pastor of this church. And I'm like, what the heck? You know, here I am, this young whippersnapper. And, uh, you know, I was a youth pastor for about nine years. And, um, you know, one of my story mixes uh, ministry with business. And uh, the reason why I got into the business is because I was good at it and I just knew how to do business. Um, you know, the church was going to pay us a salary, but instead of taking a salary, we ended up saying, hey, I'll support myself and use that money that 
I was going to get for salary to put it back into the ministry so we can really just expand the ministry and really, you know, bless these kids and so forth. So um, we started a business during that time and and it was just great. And the business was successful. The ministry was successful. And, um, you know, lo and behold, the God's just started moving, not only in the business, but in Christine and I's heart. And, and God started to share with us. So we were a youth pastor for about nine years. And then we became a pastor of uh, evangelism and outreach for this com- uh, for this church, Hope Christian Church. And um, from there, God started moving on us. Christine and I went to St. George, Utah. And just to get away, go to Zion National Park, we drove up there and God said, hey, I want you to plant a church here. And I'm sort of like, what? There's this is, you know, Mormons are here. What do you mean plant a church here? And so we uh, went back and prayed about it and sought the Lord. And we just really started feeling this tug. And um, we didn't know anybody there. We didn't know what's going on. Well, lo and behold, one of our employees um, out of the blue comes into my office and says, Hey, I'm going to, we're moving. We're getting out of here. We have family and friends that are in, uh, St. George, Utah. And we're going to move there. <laughs> and, and it, it was one of those things like, all right, God, what are you saying? And so we went to the elder board and we prayed and they laid hands on us and prayed and we prayed and God just confirmed in all of our hearts that we were to be sent out and uh, to plant our first church. And so we went to St. George, Utah. We planted our church. Um, it was Hope Christian Church of St. George. And um, and so we started that, and we went through that motions. And during that time that we started planting the church, the business blew up. I mean, it was it already started to blow up, but it really blew up. And we started expanding like rapidly, really fast. And, um, and we were just overwhelmed with, uh, stuff and lo and behold, we started having, uh, the, the stretching of the ministry with it, you know, so the ministry was moving and things were happening and, um, God showed up that diet again. You know, I talked at the beginning, God always meets us where we're at. And God said, Pete, I, I either want you to choose me or choose the business. And I said, Lord, I've been doing it both for so long. I, it, this will work. This is fine. And he says, that's not what I asked you. I want you to choose me or I want you to choose the business. And, um, I ignored that and I continued to do both. And, uh, a couple years later, um, God took the anointing from my life. I'm positive uh, as far as that. We had to join uh, Calvary Chapel of St. George, so we disbanded from that ministry. We joined Calvary Chapel of St. George, um, and we started being plugged in there. Pastor Rick Nehrhood, I love you. If you're listening to this, he's blessed me. He's That man has spoken into my life like no other. And uh, we came alongside of that ministry and served in that ministry the, uh, one way or the other. The business continued to blow up. So God took the ministry basically away from me, forced me away, and now I was underneath another pastor, and um, and the business blew up. Two years later, fast forward, the business blew just completely, completely destroyed. Uh, this is in 2008. Um, this is when uh, the financial market blew up, the automotive market blew up, R2 and the mortgage uh, uh, market blew up. So we had, we had integrity. Um, uh, what did we have? Integrity. My, can't even remember now. Integrity, something. We had a few different companies. One of them was a uh, investment company, and that's the one I'm trying to think of. I can't remember it. But we had all of our real estate. Everything went belly up. Um, we had an IRS issue that went belly up. We ended up owning an IRS something like five hundred fifty thousand um, dollars. We had a uh, the business just blew up. We had no business for like six months. A whole bunch of things, turmoil. Everything happened. 
let's just say that I, I came to a to, to the end of myself and I got to that point of a broken and contrite spirit where I cried out to God and I said, God, I, I did it my way. I screwed it up. I, I should have adhered to what you were saying a while back. I didn't. I kept doing it my way. And now here I am and I'm broken and, and I'm hopeless and I have no means. I had to lay off my whole staff. We had lots of staff. I had to, I lost all of our homes. I lost, the IRS came and confiscated our, all of our cars, our boats, our houses. Um, we ended up losing everything. And um, my good friend um, committed suicide um, that went through the same thing that I went through. He was actually my best friend at the time. And so all of this took place because of this meltdown. And I've, I realized that I'm hopeless without Jesus. And I remember going into my garage and I remember, I remember being on my knees and I remember screaming at God. I wasn't just talking to him. I was screaming at him in my garage, crying in, in agony and in pain. And as you said, you heard a voice and I heard a voice in my spirit. And God says, Pete, you did it your way. Are you willing now to do it my way? And I remember saying, yes, Lord, I will do it your way. Yeah. And, and it was in that moment that the transformation took place. It was in that moment that I was able to hear clearly God speak. And so that's where I'm at. That's so good. You know, I was, I've always heard, always heard the, vo- the verse, uh, John 3.30, where uh, John says, you know, he must increase and I must decrease. But I, I think I understood it backwards. It's almost like we have to decrease first. Yeah. You know, it's almost like it's out of line. Not that there's an error there. I'm just saying, for me, we've got to be willing to to empty of self so that we can make room for Christ. Well, it does say the Bible says to draw near to me, and then I will draw near to you. Mm-hmm. So God's never left us. He's never forsaken nope. us. He's never gone anywhere. The only person that's moved is us. And so until we position ourselves to be in his presence, what is he going to be able to do? And so he uses circumstances and things in our lives so that we can then become available to him. But until that time, we're just doing it our way. That's so good. So what about your story now? What else? Well, so, yeah, well, so we can fast forward to today. I mean, uh, well, you know, let me let me share a couple other things. I kind of, I mean, I did jump ahead a little bit to, you know, to Samantha. Because to me, that, that that's such a pivot point. It's such a, um, yeah, I mean, it's just such a huge point part in my in my uh, journey with Christ um, but uh, to kind of give you an example of where I was um, so I've lost both my parents now um, I lost my dad on February 16th of uh, 1999 and uh, when that happened I, I I was angry you know I was angry at God I remember just yelling out at God like why did you not you know why didn't you let me say goodbye why didn't I have a chance to say goodbye um, and my dad, you know, he was sick, but you know, we, you know, we thought he was okay. And then he just, he laid down, took a nap one day and didn't wake up. Um, and I was, I was angry and, uh, I, until recently I didn't realize that, uh, I wasn't really angry at God. I was angry. I was angry at myself for not talking to my father more about God. Mm. That's what I was really angry about. Mm. And God really revealed that to me recently. Um, fast forward, I lost my mom, um, on Good Friday, 2019, and totally different experience. Um, it was it was a cel- it was a celebration. You know, mom was sick with ALS. Um, you know, it's, it's just a brutal, awful, awful disease. Um, it's a death sentence. You know, you, you know, you it's just a matter of time. Um, it's just the, what it does to your body and everything. So when mom was, it was time for mom to go. Um, 
man, it was just, it was almost, it was almost like you see Jesus walking her into heaven Mm. the way it happened. I mean, Mm. we were at the hospital. It was literally Good Friday. It was three o'clock in the afternoon. The storm rolls across the water. Um, as we're looking out the window, and she died while that storm was passing through. It was just the the craziest, most surreal thing ever. And uh, there was just peace, Pete. I mean, we had, you know, there was no doubt where my mom was going. And um, there was just peace. And I remember the night, uh, the night before she died, um, we, so she was in a lot of pain and, you know, she really didn't want to take any medicine and take any uh, painkillers and stuff like that. But it finally got so bad, it got to the point where um, she's like, okay, you know, you, you can, you can give me some pain medicine. And but, but before we did that, while she was still lucid, I'm like, mom, can we, can we pray? You know, do you want me to pray with you? And it was, Pete, this is, I wasn't real confident still in my faith at this point. And I, I know it was the Holy Spirit giving me the words to say over my, over my mom. So one of my brothers was there. My, uh, we called my other brother and my mom's there. And I remember just praying. And again, I don't know where the word, I do know where the words came from now, but, um, it was just, it, it was just beautiful. It was just like, you know, here, you know, I don't remember what we said, but it was, you know, Lord just accept your servant into in heaven you know take her now she's ready to go she's ready to be with you um and it was just it was beautiful and you know at a time of of loss of losing your mom um it was it was a celebration and it just what a different experience from that from when i lost my dad um in 20 years separated um just shows you the the maturity level and the confidence and stuff so I wanted to share that, so that was kind of my story, and uh, honestly, Pete, I mean, I feel like most of my growth, I'm 54 years old, most of my growth has been in the, in the last six years, and it's really been, I think, and I shared this with the men's group on Saturday, There's there's been really three things, I think, that have really helped um helped with that, that with that growth it was first of all it was somebody reaching out to me and saying hey do you do you want to be discipled do you want do you want to walk closer with Christ um, so there was that and then there was um, me uh, accepting responsibility to to start serving others and start you know instead of just being a consumer all the time it was a, turning into kind of a servant mindset and I, I believe that really helped and then uh, there was a third thing. <laughs> I forgot the third I'm thing done, was. Huh? I should have wrote it down. It'll come to me. But um, those things have, have just really, really made a made a huge difference. So, oh, just being obedient to that, I think, was the third mm. thing. So, so my story would be. So all of a sudden, I'm broken. I'm crying out to the Lord, and God says, "Okay, are you willing to do it my way?" And I said, "Yes." And then the next thing that God said to me was, "All right, I want you to not try to seek after any business any longer." I want you to just rest in my presence. I want you to seek me and I'm going to take you out of Egypt. I'm going to take you out of the world and I'm going to put you in the desert and I'm going to teach you how to rest in me. I want to teach you how to follow the Shekinah glory. I want to provide the manna for you. I want to bring it from heaven. I want to bring your business. I want to bring your finances. I want to bring your money. I want you to just worship me. And I went and told my wife and she said, I was crazy. She says, you're going to do what? You know, and, and she was like freaking out going, this is not going to work. And I said, no, I know for a fact God told me to do this. 
And it kind of goes back to George Mueller. George Mueller is my hero. Anybody that knows George Mueller, get his autobiography, read it. It's a man that just prayed and trusted the Lord for everything. He never asked for a dime, a cent. He never went seeking after uh, getting things. He just prayed, gave it to the Lord, and God provided. And so that's kind of what God was telling me. And during this time, God showed me too that um, the, there was four influences in my life that put me off track. Number one, my mom and dad. What they raised me in the ways of the Lord, but they didn't have much education. And so in my mind, I wanted to be the most educated. So I would read, I would study. And that was what was driven me. And it wasn't that it was, I was doing it to bring God glory. I was doing it because I just didn't want to be like my parents. The second person was my coach. My coach used to always teach me, nothing happens unless you make it happen. Well, my mind, that's the complete opposite of what God says. You yep. know, we don't make anything happen. We worship him. We serve him. We rest in him. He then makes things happen. We then adjust our life and we then follow him. So I had to unlearn that bad habit. The next one was my uncle um, who just recently passed away. He was always pretty well off and, um, you know, we were always bragging about who's going to be richer and I'm going to be richer and you're going to be richer. And, and one time he said, he goes, he goes, Pete, cause it was us two in the car. He says, our heads are so big that if we keep talking like this, the windows are going to bust out because we're just going <laughs> to blow it up. And so we would always battle each other about who's going to be richer. And, and, and that was one of my influences. But again, I was trying to be rich to prove to my uncle that I was going to be rich, you know, that I was going to be the best. And so that wasn't what God was saying in my life. And then the last influence was my father-in-law. He doesn't like me very much. And at least past experience has said this. And uh, I remember asking him to help us out with our business and so forth. And, and his words were, you're not going to be able to make anything become anything. And I would never trust you with that money and something like that. And and so that really, it really, you know, got me. And, and I remember hearing that and it made me a little bitter and and upset, but I was just like, I'm going to be successful because I'm going to prove to him that was it. So God revealed that to me at this moment in my life. And it showed me um, that I was, I had a lot of bad habits. I was doing things a lot of wrong ways. And so during this time of surrender to the Lord, this wilderness time, as Jesus told me, is he wanted me to learn to hear him. He wanted me to learn to rest in his presence. He didn't want me doing any ministry at this time. He didn't want me to try to figure anything out. He just wanted me to know more of him. And, and during that time, there was, it was agony. It was pain, just like the Israelites. I wanted, I wanted to go back and get my steak. I wanted to go back and get the season. I wanted to go back into the world because I knew the world really well. I knew how to thrive. I was very successful in the world. And in walking with Jesus meant that there was times where we had our electricity turned off. Uh, we, we got kicked out. We were homeless for nine months. My family was homeless for nine months. Um, by God's grace, someone helped us come into their house. Um, we uh, did not have food at times where someone would, you know, miracle after miracle. I mean, I'm telling you, I can't tell you how many miracles happened where God would wake people up in the middle of the night to bring us money. Friend of a friend of a friend of a friend would call us to give us something. People would knock on our doors and give us food. We never told anybody about our need. We would have bills paid for. We would have, I mean, I can't tell you so many things took place during this time, but God wanted to show himself faithful to me. He wanted to show himself that he is more than enough, that I can rest in him, that he will always guide me, always lead me. And my family is a testimony to this. And, and one of the things that we did with our family is I would always share with my family our struggles and our needs. 
I would sit my family down and I would just, I would share with them, this is where we're struggling. This is where it is. And I'm freaked out. And I'm telling them, I'm freaked out. I have no idea how we're going to get through this. But I know that God is faithful. And I'm telling you this because I want to prove to you kids that no matter what, you can trust him and that he is good. And, and, and I can't tell you how many times I've done that with my kids. And I can't tell you how many times I've come back to my kids and said, here is how God opened and answered this prayer. Here is how God answered this prayer. And my kids kids lived it and, and saw God's hand move every step of the way. And, uh, and that's the other thing is that we, we didn't move until God showed up, until God revealed it to all of us, until we all had peace, until we all saw the hand of God is how we were moving and adjusting our life. So fast forward from there, uh, how did we get to Florida? So we were born and raised in Southern California. A lot of my ministry there. We were in St. George, Utah. After this big crash, we moved back to, to, to California for about five years. And then God started opening doors for us to pastor again. I didn't expect this. I didn't see this. And a church called us out of uh, Kissimmee, uh, Florida. And it was Bethel Life Church. And they asked us to come take over their church. And we came out a few times. There was another uh, church up in Alaska that we were going to go uh, minister to. And uh, I didn't really want to go there at all. I mean, actually, I was like, God, no way am I going to do that. But God put it on my heart says, listen, are you going to serve me again? Or are you going to serve yourself? Are you going to do it your way? Or are you going to do it my way? I was like, oh, my gosh, Lord, don't use that on me. <laughs> so I said, all right, God, you know, I will do it your way. So I surrendered to that. And we almost went there. Uh, it was a big congregation, about 2000 or so. But God called us here. And this was the harder choice in Orlando. Um, in Kissimmee. And so we did that. And um, long story, we went through that. We were pastoring for about four or five years here, three, four years, four years. Um, I don't want to get into it. Drama happened. They went back to their old ways, the elder board. There's a lot of things that God did not call us, Christine and I too. So we stepped away. And then we've come alongside of uh, our church that we are at currently. Uh, but through all of that, there's lots of ministry that we're not talking about. There's a lot of other stories that we're talking about. Yeah. But due to time, um, that's our kind of our story in, in a, a nutshell. nutshell right? Yeah, uh, we met through church, and and we've just become really good friends, and and we've both have spoken into each other's lives, and just have grown immensely. But um, I don't know any other thoughts. Now, I just I, I want to share a couple of verses that have really helped good. me over the last couple good. years. Um, the first one, and I this is probably my probably my favorite verse. Um, it's Second Timothy one seven, and it just says, "For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power, love, and self control." So anytime I'm like just not feeling <laughs> like I'm feeling weak or powerless, I I just revert back to this one. And and when I'm not being kind or I'm not doing you know really what I should be doing, again this verse just speaks into that in so many different ways. So that verse has just been a, a huge blessing to me, and and. And uh, I just I just love it. And then um, the the second one I wanted to share with you is Lamentations. I know, right? Lamentations three <laughs> twenty two and twenty three. It says, "The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases; His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness." And the reason this speaks to me is, Pete, I fail all the time, and I just know that He is faithful. Right, and his mercies are new every morning. Every morning you wake up and you have a new chance to seek him and do what's right. And I think 
what these two verses also help me do, and something that's really changed my mindset over the last six years, is to have more of a mindset on eternal things than temporal things. Mm. It's so easy to get caught up in this world and building our kingdom, building our mansion here on earth, when we should be focused on the eternal. And when we focus on the eternal, all of a sudden those things just don't make, I mean, it just doesn't matter. When you think about things like, in a hundred years, is this decision going to make any difference? Mm. And if the answer is no, then stop worrying yeah. so much about yeah. it, right? Yeah. If if the decision you're making is going to have an eternal difference, then those are the those are the decisions you really need yeah. to be you know worried about. Mm. And I, I say worry, I don't mean worry. You know, God's clear, don't worry, right? Um, so I just wanted to share those two verses were on my heart. Those two verses have been uh, just kind of a huge part of my life over the last few years, and uh, they really they really helped me. So you have those verses. For me, the story of my life was pride. So I had lots of pride, and I still battle this all the time. So Proverbs sixteen eighteen, God spoke to me, says, Pride goes before instruction and a haughty spirit before a fail. Oh yeah, I, I was that was me. Proverbs twenty nine twenty three. One's pride will bring him low, but he who is lowly in spirit will obtain honor. And so until I've came to a broken and contrite spirit and says, "All right, Lord, I will do it your way," my pride was doing it my way. Yeah. I, that wouldn't happen. And then C.S. Spurgeon wrote, "God will not go forth with that man who marches in his own strength." And so again, wow. it's it's I was marching in my own strength. I was trying to figure out life my way. And then D.L. Moody said, God sends no one away. God sends no one away empty except those who are full of themselves. <laughs> That's so awesome. So, and so true. I'm telling you, I mean, this is me in a nutshell. And this is what God had to help me because, again, my the four influences in my life completely took me off God's path. Hmm. It robbed me of his reward. It enslaved me of my freedom. Because I had a I had a goal, I had a focus, and I had a determination that was not what God was asking of me. And so I had to completely unlearn the, the, the hundreds of, my pride was overwhelming, and it was brutal, the amount of pain and agony and stretching. My mom always said, well, God's son never sent a little wave to you. He always had to send a tidal wave. Well, unfortunately... <laughs> In my life, I've had a lot of tidal waves, and I've had to go through excruciating pain um, just to unlearn the bad habits. And I'm still learning. I'm still growing. But by God's grace, I feel like I'm, we're moving forward, and we're growing spiritually, and we're just really learning. And And I'm just so grateful that we get to share this story on the Riot Podcast. And, you know, if there's anybody out there that, that have heard this and you want to give your life to the Lord, you can. And we would love for you to just just humble your heart now. Maybe you've been doing it your way your whole life. Maybe you've, you're prideful. Maybe you've been trying to figure out life uh, according to what best fits for you instead of what God is asking of you. And if that's the case, you could just humble yourself. You can just cry out to him now. You can, you can bow your heart. You can close your eyes. If you're not driving, you can get on your knees. Um, whatever it is, just become broken and contrite before him. Whatever it is, you just you need to confess your sins. You need yeah. to confess that you're doing it your way. You need to repent and turn from your wicked ways, as the Bible says. You need to turn from from all of that self-pleasure, all of that self-way uh, of getting ahead, and, and just say, God, I want to do it your way. And, and get still in His presence and just say, God, forgive me. Help me, oh God. 
Lord, I want to worship you. I want to know you. And, and surround yourself with people that are like-minded, that are loving the Lord, that can help hold you accountable, that can help uh, just be uh, close to you and to help walk through the journey with you. If I, I'm telling you, George Miller, people always ask me, who is your, who is the person that got you through this? It was George Miller because I studied, I went over to England, I went over to Bristol, uh, I studied, I've read all of his books, I've read all of his side sermons, I've read all of the things that he's done. I mean, that man single-handedly supported Hudson Taylor, uh, the missionary to China. The China's blowing up with, with churches because of Hudson Taylor, because of George Miller financially doing that. This man has, I mean, his story, is incredible all because he just sat and be still before the Lord and let God be God of his life and so I studied that man and learned and I modeled my life after how God used him and God has used me just the same way in that and uh, so he's really ministered to me but with that learn to be still learn to to have people in your life that can speak into you and to help you walk through this Um, and that will help set you free from that we love to hear from you if that's you and you're wanting to give your life do that um let me just pray for us lord i just thank you i praise you i well, again we um this this show flew by but lord it, thank you for giving us a testimony uh lord it's it's we were doing it our way but lord ultimately you showed up and we chose to do it your way and uh lord there's uh so many people that are hearing or listening to this right now that that maybe you're trying to do both the bible says in revelations 3 that if you're trying to, if you're lukewarm he wants nothing to do with you he wants to spoo you out you can't live for the world and live for god at the same time i tried that i tried that god says you either gonna live for me or live for 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 yourself and and i wanted to do both and you can't do that and, and Lord, I just pray that anybody that's listening, that's that's doing that, that does not have an intimate relationship with Jesus, that they would repent, that does not know God personally. I pray that they would come to know you. Uh, Lord, I pray for those people that are on the edge, on the border. They're, they're hearing this and they're, they're saying, yeah, I know I need to do it, but they're just not ready. Well, I pray, Lord, that you would help push them over the top. Help them to just say, all right, I surrender. It's time. The time is now. The time is now to give you all. And uh, so I just pray for them. And so, Lord, thank you. We praise you. We honor you. We worship you. We surrender to you. And, Lord, we give you this show. We love you, God. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, that was fun, Pete. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll see how the listeners react. Yeah. So if none of them show up next week. I mean, we'll we know. only told like <laughs> real little of the story, but we got the main basics Cliff in notes, there. Maybe yeah. Cliff notes. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I, I do have something to add. Yeah. I could have hit your fastball. It would have been a single to right field, but I could have. You probably could have, yeah. if I left it hanging, <laughs> and left it up. I, I, I've never told you much about my baseball, but uh, I played up through Pony League, and I, I was the guy. I, I would lead the team in batting average, but never had a double. It was just That's single, funny. single, single, single. Oh, I could put the ball wherever I wanted hitter. to, yeah. but I couldn't. I had no power. Never hit a home run. Isn't that crazy? You probably could have. One of the knocks against me, so when they graded me for the pros, my knocks was I had like an A minus. I threw about 93 miles per hour. I had okay movement on my ball, but I just, I didn't have enough They because I have smaller hands, and so the ball wouldn't move out of my hands that good. But the way that I threw my changeup, I was like an A plus. I mean, I was like phenomenal. My ball would dance all over the place. Yeah, so they, I probably couldn't hit that. That's the thing. I, that was the thing that was really good. My curveball was okay, but yeah, you probably that's could have. funny. Yeah. I was just messing with you. I yeah. probably had no shot. Who knows? Well, guys, uh, as always, make sure you uh, click like and follow on uh, wherever you listen. Share it with your friends and jump onto uh, to YouTube. 
hit that subscribe button, hit that little bell so you get the alerts. And don't forget any questions you have, if you want to leave comments, you want to reach us, contact information, all of that stuff can be found at riotpodcast.co. So we love you guys. We appreciate you guys. I hope you enjoyed getting to know Pete and I just a little bit better with our Cliff Notes versions. But uh, <laughs> man, we would love to hear your story as well. Make sure you, know, you yeah. jump onto social media, yeah. share your story. Yeah, make a video and send it. That, even better, make a video and share it with us. But man, we'd love to uh, to to tell the story, to hear your story. Man, it's just what a great way. Nobody can argue with your testimony, That's right? It. It's your story. Get good at get good at sharing it and and, and telling people uh, about your story. So, uh, your what was that thing that those people in Vegas used to do on the strip? Your story, my story, his story, yeah, right? That's it. That's it. It's That's it. what a way to open up doors to tell people the goodness and the greatness yeah. of Jesus. So, we can all relate to each other somehow. That's right. That's it. That's right. All right. Be blessed. Be Love blessed. you guys. Have a great week. Bye. This has been The Riot Podcast. If you liked what you heard today, please feel free to leave a comment and share it with your friends. See you back here next week for another episode of The Riot Podcast.